You're about to hear my conversation with Dustin Reed. We talk about the dramatic increase in rates over the past week and what to expect from the Fed and the economy going forward. I hope you enjoy. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Information relating to investment approaches or individual investments should not be construed as advice or endorsement. Listeners should seek professional advice for their situation. Welcome to the McKenzie Investments Podcast. My name is Matthew Schnur, and I'm here with Dustin Reed. Dustin is the Chief Fixed Income Strategist. Dustin, welcome back. Hey, thanks for having me. Good to be here. It certainly has been a wild week the past week. We're recording this on March 1st. Uh, and the previous week, we saw a substantial rise in rates, uh, in yields, and a, a lot of volatility return uh, across various asset classes. Dustin, very simply, what should we make of this and what's going on? Yeah, absolutely. It's been uh, it's been a wild week and uh, a lot to watch and a lot to take in. I think, you know, <clears throat> just looking in the rearview mirror just quickly, I, I think that, you know, we've had a lot of uh, things come together. Um, you know, first of all, the Fed, I think, is, is a main driver here. And, and uh, the, the Williams uh, interview on CNBC uh, 10 days ago on the Friday, I think, uh, you know, was was important insofar as it looked to be a bit of a, a planted interview where he went on CNBC. But and I think the expectation was because it was a bit of a plant and not on the schedule for too long ahead of time that uh, people thought, he might say something and try and tap the brakes in terms of the you know rising rate environment. He did not do that. He, um, if anything, he just basically accelerated the uh, the move, and I think that led into last week, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, where we had you know Powell times two at the JEC a Joint Economic um, uh, Testimony Conference uh, uh, commentary. Uh, we had Brainard, Governor Brainard, uh, a couple uh, uh, once, and then we had. Uh, uh, Vice Chair Clarida twice speaking, you know, all all senior members of the um, of the Fed, and none of them pushed back. And I think that you know the the culmination of all those very senior people. I would say those are the four most senior people in terms of voices we should be listening to in terms of yield curve control or the possibility thereof, um, and you know how the Fed's going to um, you know manage this dynamic is uh you know very important and i think that you know we saw very little from them if anything they were encouraging um around the idea that rate uh, rate increases um are really reflective of a uh, better outlook from a growth perspective and an inflation perspective i think that kind of culminated into the end of last week as uh you know here we go and then you throw in a couple of technical factors there with respect to the market being what I would call, you know, moderately oversold on a, on a price perspective. Um, um, and uh, you've, you had a, a number, a number of issues around the, the seven year auction, which was uh, obviously uh, not, not well received. I wouldn't call it a failed auction, but it was not, not well received. And you had some uh, other positioning things going on in the market with respect to, some uh, some convex some convexity hedging 
uh, particularly mm. by um, by mortgage holders. And it was kind of a, a mini uh, perfect storm where you saw yields um, move move higher very very you know very very quickly uh, Thursday, only really to be kind of um, <laughs> pared back um, right. you know, during the during the Friday price action. Um, you know, for us, the um, kind of you know going away from the rearview mirror and looking forward here, for us, the the medium term outlook hasn't changed. I think that. Um, the, the vaccine rollout globally and particularly in the U.S. is, uh, you know, quite good. And the U.S. is obviously uh, uh, close to the top of the country charts in terms of uh, the number, percentage of population uh, receiving at least one dose. And mm-hmm. the opening in the U.S. is going quite well. And I think that, you know, the market is correct to begin to price in um, higher uh, higher rates with respect to an economic outlook and inflation outlook that justifies being higher, you know, in a very simple way. And, uh, you know, I think we may have talked about this before, but if you think that real growth is going to be 6% or 7% in the U S this year, and, um, uh, inflation is going to be 2%. I mean, it doesn't take a lot to get to eight or 9% nominal GDP growth for 2020, 20, 2021 in the U S and if that's the case, um, is it really justified that ten-year nominal yields are one and a half percent in the round? And and our answer is generally no. That's you know that doesn't seem right. There's there there needs to probably be a recalibration, uh, and likely uh, you know a recalibration higher. The question is, you know, how does foreign demand for for those securities in a relatively low yielding global environment and a fed who obviously does not want to see the curve, you know, bear steepen, uh, you know, significantly quickly or even right. rise from a yields perspective, move, move quickly. Uh, how does the fed manage that? So these are all kind of questions that I think, you know, everybody's thinking about We're we're of course thinking about them as well, but you know, even though there's a lot of volatility to look through from last week, you know, we're trying to look through that. Um, I remember the old, uh, McKenzie, um, uh, logo actually with the, uh, with the, uh, the two heads where you had the, uh, the, uh, uh, magnifying glass looking behind you and then the binoculars looking uh, out in front of you. And that's actually a really, right. that's actually a really good, um, that's actually very, very appropriate here. I think, you know, kind of looking at, okay, what, like, what, what's driving this last week? Like, why is this happening? Why did this happen? And then kind of keeping an eye on the, medium to longer term. And I think that rates, you know, keeping a shorter duration position, you know, versus benchmark is appropriate here, um, you know, across, across the portfolios as, as rate, as rates rise. And, um, you know, I would say there's been a little bit more spikiness in the market than I would have expected to be fair. Uh, but at the mm-hmm. same time, the, the Fed is not, in my opinion, the Fed is not going to put up with this much longer and will want to, you know, tamp down the, the, the volatility. So I still like the rates, the rates move higher. The fundamentals definitely justify it. Uh, the vaccine rollout, uh, you know, justifies it. Um, uh, you know, and I think, uh, you know, asset levels, you know, generally justified as well. Great. Uh, thanks for that, that summary, uh, of, uh, of what's happened. And it really sounds like, um, you know, inflation and growth leading to, to uh, this rate increase. You've mentioned a couple of times the Fed um, probably concerned about how far it goes or how quickly it goes. 
Uh, what tools do they still have in order to to tamp down that sort of increase in rates? And, and what do you think that they're more likely to use? Yeah, for sure. So I think that, um, you know, given given what happened Thursday, Friday, I think that there's um, there's a possibility here that uh, Powell could say something on Thursday. So this past Thursday, uh, the, a, um, an interview with the Wall Street Journal popped up on the, uh, the Fed's, uh, speech calendar for a week later, this, this coming Thursday. And again, not, okay. not to someone to the, to the William, to the William CNBC, uh, you know, plant I was kind of talking about a few minutes ago. Uh, th- this looks, this looks interesting as well. Um, you know, and the Fed's going into blackout, uh, starting this weekend ahead of its, uh, meeting, its FOMC meeting mid-March. So uh, it's an interesting it's an interesting date on the calendar, and you know, we're obviously watching it in terms of you know is this somewhere that something that you know that Powell might use the opportunity to try and tap the brakes a little bit, so to speak, you know. But given what's happened at the end of last week, maybe and, and I was saying this to the team this morning, maybe, maybe the Fed uh, actually uses this as an opportunity, and in a way, it is a bit of an opportunity because the Fed, instead of maybe having to make a call directional from a directional perspective on rates side and just say, look, you know, we're not, we're not happy with the volatility. Uh, we think markets should be, you know, more efficient. Uh, we have all the programs in place. Uh, the fundamentals remain solid. Um, but they can take a bit more of a volatility angle here as opposed to like a rates are only rising directionally angle, which I think they would right. actually prefer. So it'll be interesting to see if they, particularly Powell, go down that path um, late, later this week. But in terms of tools, and to that point, and to your question, I mean, verbal is going to be, I think, the first the first tool. Uh, someone's right. going to say something. You know, are they are they going to do a massive change in the QE program to start? I, I mean, anything's possible, especially in this world. But I think it's I think it's unlikely. I think a verbal something, and now I think they have the opportunity, like I was saying, to kind of go on it at it from a volatility perspective as opposed to a directional perspective. Um, is, you know, is, is probably the, the most likely first step. And that's probably followed by one or two others, depending on who's saying what and when and what the price action is like. But in terms of tools in the toolkit, if they have to do something, you know, one of the things we were looking at throughout the fall and, and it never happened, uh, a little bit to my surprise, to be fair, was, um, you know, an extension of the weighted average, uh, maturity, uh, purchases for the the QE right. program. Um, that's still absolutely a tool in the toolbox, hundred uh, percent. They could extend that that weighted average duration um, and try and keep the 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 belly to the longer end of the curve a little bit more uh, under control uh, by just increasing the weighting a little bit of a twist, if you will. They could obviously increase the overall size of the purchases. Um, they're obviously, they're doing 120 a month, 80 treasury, 40 uh, uh, mortgage-backed securities. They could either add that total amount to that total 120, or they could even twist within that and maybe take a little bit away from the mortgage market, uh, purchases the 40 and add to the 80 and keep the overall 120. They could absolutely right. do that. They could also say, we, like, much like uh, Australia, um, we're going to institute, and, and Japan, we could institute a yield curve control program. Uh, and say, we will not let, uh, I'm, I'm making this up here, but we will not let 10-year yields move beyond 175 basis points. You know, we are going to, sure. we are going to, we are going to cap it there. We're going to actively 
you know, over, uh, you know, oversubscribed to that portion of the market uh, to keep yields there. And they could do, you know, that level or a range uh, or, uh, you know, or, or provide a, you know, a, a buffer like the BOJ, the Bank of Japan does, which right now is plus 20 or minus 20 basis points uh, for the, for the 10 year JGB, Japanese government bond. So they could, there's a few things there and there's probably some more exotic things that they could, they could also do, but those are kind of the main ones that are kind of, that I would say are obvious in terms of, um, I think the, not that the market wouldn't be surprised. I think the market would be surprised, but it wouldn't be, uh, unbelievably, um, out of the, out of the ordinary in terms of a, a fix. Um, right. in terms of in terms of tools in the toolkit, great. That's helpful. Um, you you mentioned as well inflation uh, throughout this, um, and uh, on our last podcast, you talked a lot about the base effects of inflation, where it's going to look right. like it's it's certainly much much higher um, given where we were last year at this time. Um, what are your what's your outlook on inflation? Do you think it's uh, sort of running to your expectations? Is, is it been surprising to you on the upside, or, or what's your view there? Had a little bit of an upside on the consumer side of the uh, you know uh, inflation. I think to start the year, um, really need to get through the March, April, May period here in terms of how the base effects. So basically, the prints for March, April, May. 2020 right. uh, impact the, uh, you know, the headline figure, um, you know, going forward kind of, the Fed has said that it's going to, uh, and it said many times that it's going to look through this as transitory. So I feel mm-hmm. that even though we are going to see the big, the, the larger prints in terms of upside, uh, that the Fed's already said, you know, this is not, you know, this is not, we recognize this is not going to be the, the new state of play, the temporary phenomenon. Um, you know, there's, there's these two key, two key areas really where you've got a huge, uh, huge slack in the labor force and you're kind of, you know, below capacity in terms of the economy. And, uh, you know, does that provide enough slack and are price pressures there, um, to, to move inflation higher? And then at the, on the other side, you've got obviously a lot of pent up, um, savings, uh, for, for various reasons. And, uh, you know, is the cons- once, once the economy really opens up and that's Canada here and everywhere, really, you know, once the economy really opens up, does, does that, does that pile of savings, literally trillions of dollars in savings, does that get, you know, magically unleashed and, and where does it go? And the, do you, you know, do firms at that point have, you know, massive pricing power because everyone's chasing after the same goods and services. And I think that's still TBD. I, I would say for, a good chunk of the year last year, 2020, I was on the the former camp, which is you know the the economic slack um, and not being at full capacity probably kept um, you know probably will keep <clears throat> prices from or at least consumer prices moving materially higher. I'm probably not as uh, married to that uh, that theory as much now, probably because I think that we are going to because of the speed of and the success of the vaccine rollout, um, maybe not necessarily as much here domestically in Canada, but definitely in the U.S. and the U.K. Um, and a few other economies, I, you can see that you can see a scenario where it really is like a dam, and you kind of pull the, you know, you you pull the the pin, and you you've got a huge flood uh, very very quickly. 
Um, and the, you know, the, the speed of the vaccine rollout, particularly in the U.S., I think allows that kind of dynamic to happen. So I think that uh, there, there, there definitely is some upside risk to kind of the macro view in terms of the, um, you know, the inflation outlook. What's interesting, and obviously you've got the fiscal story happening kind of, you know, tangentially. Right. Uh, yes. Not only the one point, not only the one point six, one point nine trillion, um, uh, you know, COVID relief plan through the through the Biden administration, but also, you know, very likely the infrastructure deal later this year. I mean, we're looking at anywhere three to five trillion. Actually, I would say maybe four to five. Tr- in the U.S. this year, and that's obviously a lot of money. But the Fed knows this, and it's interesting that Powell last week during his testimonies uh, in front of the House and in front of the Senate really did not seem very concerned at all about the inflationary prospects. And he even cited, despite the fiscal, um, you know, the fiscal uh, packages that are well expected to be, you know, coming down the uh, coming down the pipe. So I think that that's that's very interesting, you know. And the Fed, of course, can be right, can be wrong, to be fair. But for the Fed to not be very concerned about any inflationary, you know, inflationary uh, upside over the medium term, I think is I think is a really interesting development, uh, particularly in the in the in the face of all this fiscal. And in that respect, again, I would flag the. Uh, the, the statement of economic projections, the new forecasts, basically that are coming out at the March meeting, the March FOMC meeting, um, you want to keep an eye on where uh, the the central tendencies are for both inflation and the uh, the labor market, what the Fed's thinking, because that's going to tell you that's going to tell you a lot in terms of you know Fed policy and tone. I think for the next uh, for the next part of the cycle. So just to just to stick with the inflation and, and uh, what the Fed is saying, and you're saying that they're not, they don't appear to be very concerned about the medium term prospects of inflation. Mm-hmm. Do you think that the Fed becoming comfortable and, and going to this average inflation targeting and letting it run hot uh, a little bit? Do you think it's that they see some scarring in the employment market and that we're not going to get to full employment maybe as quickly as others have projected or or a little combination of both? Or what are your thoughts on that? So I think, and that's why I think the four, the, to your question, I think that's why the forecasts and how things are evolving uh, at the March meeting are going to be really, really interesting. Uh, right. Former Fed Chair Yellen has said that we could see full employment or the U.S. could see full employment by the end of next year, by the end of 22. And, and you know, that that is, I mean, that's very well possible. And uh, if it is, uh, that that would be a huge achievement for the economy for yeah, sure, and sure. for and for the policymakers. Um, the point is, uh, and Fed, ca- uh, sorry, uh, uh, Yellen carries obviously a huge amount of gravitas for the obvious reasons. The point is, the Fed, as the Fed currently sits under Powell, does not see that. So uh, again, the evolution of how the the Fed sees uh, the economy developing through its forecasts, I think, are very important here. But the Fed's got quite a bit of distance on the full employment side, um, and how the administration, in this particular case, Yellen, is you know is seeing it. So I think that that's going to be um, you know an important uh, you know back and forth in terms of how of how things develop. But the Fed clearly wants to run inflation hot. To get back to your question, and you know we we know that they do. We know that it does. I should say, but. We don't quite know what the measures are, right? We don't know, uh, are they going to continue to use core PCE? 
uh, what's right. the magic number? Is it two and a half percent? Is it three percent? Is it two percent other? And for how long? Uh, is it going to, you know, do we want to see a year above two and a half percent? Do we want to see, uh, you know, half a year above three percent? And they obviously want to average it to be two percent over time, but they haven't really gone back and said, okay, we're going to stick a flag in the ground and say, okay, anything that we, you know, anything, you know, from 2017 onward or, you know, pick right. a date. And they, have, they haven't done that. So we don't know you know, we don't know half of where to average from. <laughs> so that makes it, so it makes it a little challenging. I, I'm kind of running on the assumption that they're going to keep core PCE and they want to see at least two and a half percent on an annual basis for a year. And I think that's, I think that's not unreasonable and you can kind of toggle around that. And if you look at it from that perspective, the, you know, the feds, the feds a long way off. And then I think, you know, what was very, very clear from Powell's speech at the Economic Club of New York um, is that the Fed is, you know, equally as concerned on the employment. Since the inflation side gets a little too much attention, and the uh, the the employment side is is not seen as a, a really equal dual mandate, I think that's a mistake. I think that's a mistake for this Fed uh, for the next part of this cycle. The Fed clearly is very concerned about the employment side and getting back to full employment. We've had numerous senior Fed officials say that even though uh, actual, uh, sorry, I shouldn't say it that way, even though headline uh, unemployment is around 6.5%, the actual unemployment rate is probably closer to 10. And that tells you hmm. a lot. That, and, that, and that tells you a lot from where, again, where the Fed is thinking versus where the administration in this particular case, Yellen, uh, Treasury Secretary, you know, is thinking. And it also tells you a lot about potentially Fed policy in terms of, you know, can, uh, you know, if you put, let's say, 3.5% for uh, full employment in the U.S., which is the number I'll use, maybe it's 4, but let's say 3.5 or 4, let's say it gets there. But the Fed actually doesn't believe the number from the, labor, from the Bureau of Labor Services who puts out the number. And says, right. you know what? We really think that, you know, even though it says four percent, we really think it's six. And by the way, there's a bunch of groups in the economy that are you know, significantly underemployed. This Fed under this chair has essentially said, we're going to keep going. We are not going to let up on accommodation. It might be slightly different levels of accommodation, but we are going to still be accommodative. And I think that's very important in terms of, um, you know, Fed policy and how inflation is going to go and how how to kind of read the outlook for um, for the labor market. So I think this Fed's going to be in it to win it, so to speak, for a very long time um, in terms of providing accommodation and probably go past the point in the textbook that, you know, you or I would have thought for previous cycles because a little bit different. And it already is. They've already said we're going to, we're going to run inflation hot. And I would say that they're going to try and run uh, employment hot too. Because by essentially trying to get everybody uh, fully employed, you're probably going to get well below 4%, maybe even below 3.5% on, uh, on the unemployment rate. So it's going to be a very interesting policy dynamic. But these are, you know, these are questions that are going to be happening. You know, not necess- I mean, we'll obviously be talking about them throughout the year this year, but this is going to be a 2022 um, you know, right. uh, dynamic, I think, in terms of, uh, you know, a point in the cycle where we can actually say, okay, now we can have a two-way conversation on inflation because it's, you know, 
above 2%, you know, acts above 2%. You know, now we're getting to where full employment is actually generally seen to be, you know, at the current level. So let's have a policy conversation about where, you know, how much more we should be doing. So I think, you know, in many respects, you know, this year is obviously exceptionally interesting from a reflationary trade perspective. And then from a policy perspective, from a Fed, uh, Fed point of view, I think next year gets uh, probably maybe the most interesting in our careers. Hmm. Very interesting. Maybe maybe we'll just end on that note. Uh, gives uh, gives people something to think about uh, over the next uh, several years. So, Dustin, thanks so much for coming. Excellent uh, comments. Really appreciate it. Thanks very much for having me. The content of this podcast, including facts, views, opinions, and recommendations, is not to be used or construed as investment advice and is not an offer or an invitation to buy or sell any security. The content of this podcast should not be relied upon for any purposes and McKenzie Financial Corporation is not responsible for any reliance upon it. This podcast includes forward-looking information that reflects our current expectations or forecasts of future events. Forward-looking information is subject to risks, uncertainties, and assumptions that could cause actual results to differ materially from those expressed herein. Our views are subject to change based on market conditions. Commissions, trailing commissions, management fees, and expenses may be associated with mutual fund investments. Please read the fund facts and prospectus before investing. The indicated rates of returns are historical annual compounded total returns, including changes to unit values and reinvestment of all dividends or distributions and does not take into account sales, redemptions, distribution, or optional charges or income taxes payable by any security holder that would have reduced returns. 